0: Hey, Matt. Hi, James.
1: How have you been since we last recorded?
0: You know, life's a little little crazy right now, but can't complain. How's yours been?
1: It's been okay. There's a lot going on, and in order to sort of call myself, I've been rewatching all the Scream movies in anticipation for the new one coming out.
0: Well, I love that. I, lo- I love, is it Ginny Ortega that's in the new movies? In the
1: new ones, yeah.
0: I absolutely love her. She was great in Wednesday, too.
1: She was good in Wednesday. I'm a big Scream fan. I have a Scream tattoo. Uh, it's been, the original has been one of my favorite movies since I was a teenager because that's how old I was when it came out because... I'm a papaw.
0: (laughs) I've been desperately wanting to get you those Scream popcorn buckets and the the popcorn bucket and the sipper. But we don't have it at our theater. It's at another one in Oak Ridge. And I'm halfway tempted to drive 25 So
1: it sold out immediately. Oh, did it really? Yes. And you can now buy them, but only online.
0: And I'm sure people are charging like double or triple the price of what they actually cost.
1: Well, I mean the theater, the company is selling them all. Oh now. okay, I got yeah. you. I thought people So I need to get one because they are adorable. Oh, and I, love it. I cannot wait for the new one. Have you seen all the screen movies, Matt?
0: I I wanna say that I no, maybe I haven't. I don't think I've watched like the third one. I no, I've watched the original two and then the like, last two ones, but maybe I haven't watched all of them.
1: Well, we, you should join me in my marathon. I've, uh, I'm about halfway through, so.
0: I'd like that. I honestly did not know that Hayden Panettiere was in one of them, and then she's coming back in the next one.
1: Yes, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Scream 4, uh, <laughs> but we thought that her character Kirby died, and um, we find out. We found out, actually, in the... Fifth one, there's a little Easter egg where um, one of the characters is watching a YouTube video, and on the side of the YouTube video and the suggested videos, it says Woodsboro Survivor, and it has a picture of Kirby. So that, w- they let us know in the last movie that she will be back for this one, and that's I, so
0: cool. I didn't even see that. Uh,
1: yes, I can't wait. Should we get into this episode?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's time that we give our listeners, you know, our our next episode because it's uh it's really hitting home with all of us here now here in Knoxville. So I think it's time.
1: So we sat down with a couple of friends of ours this week to, um, discuss some of the bills that are, uh, being passed currently or have been passed already when this podcast comes out. Uh, so we hope that you enjoy and are educated and are informed by what we put together this week. So, this first interview is with a good friend of ours named
0: Jennifer Ferris. Take a listen. We are joined in the studio today with our guest Jennifer. Hi Jennifer. Hello. Hello
2: and, Jennifer. Hi, it is an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of
0: course. We're excited to have you as our one of our guests.
1: I'm extra excited because your podcast, Gab and Girl Time, was the first podcast that I was ever on. And now, The Tables of Church. Which is
2: really surprising because you're a big personality. I'm surprised you have not been asked on more podcasts.
0: She said, that's surprising because you're a loud mouth. (laughs) Well, let's get that out there. Let's get James all over other podcasts.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) You are an excellent guest. And you need to come on again.
0: Well, let's get to know Jennifer a little bit, y'all. Yeah, so... Jennifer, what is it that you do here with Knox Pride?
2: I am lead volunteer of the Thriftique part of Knox Pride. And the Thriftique is our thrift store slash boutique here in South Knoxville. And what I do is I sort the clothing that comes in donated and um, um, get things out, pull things mm-hmm. out. Uh, we do When we do our fill-a-bag sale, um, I'm the one that pulls everything out. To get ready for this sale as well.
0: So like what made you want to get involved with
2: Knox Pride? Honestly, um, not only (laughs) because all of my friends are in it, but I know where the money's going. Yeah. Um, I know that what I do here makes a difference because I see other people making the same difference Mm -hmm. here. And really, that's it. If I'm going to give to a nonprofit, I want to know where the money goes. And what Knox Pride does for this community is amazing. Right.
1: Would you uh, do me a favor and tell everybody about the uh, life skills classes that you help teach here?
2: I do the cleaning section of the life skill classes here. And uh, I just teach the basic cleaning skills that maybe you didn't get when you were growing up yeah I Um, still don't have those skills
1: (laughs) (laughs) well we really appreciate everything that you do here at Knox pride for us and for the community Jennifer um you and I actually predate Knox pride um our relationship our friendship started uh I would say probably at least like seven years ago maybe
2: yes I have Yes, it was seven years,
1: and we uh, we met in the burlesque industry. <laughs> I uh, used to MC and produce burlesque for quite a while in Knoxville, and you were uh, a dancer. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we lo-
2: produced <laughs> some shows together. We day. did
1: produce. We produced a, a show called My So Called Show, and it was a tribute to the '90s. Uh, and then we did. I did a Gilligan's Island show <laughs> that you were in, and we were in Salome Cabaret together. Actually, everything that that. I guess I did in the burlesque world you did with me. Yes. And I loved that journey with you. But I no longer perform, uh, but you're still a burlesque performer and you also do drag. Um, I kind of want to talk about what uh, TNSB3 win. I think we're saying win because we know it's going to be, it's inevitable at this point. How is that going to affect your ability to perform? (laughs) I know, it seems like a loaded question, but...
2: (laughs) I'm going to be very, very honest here. I am somewhat an anarchist, and I do not abide by rules that I believe are moronic, idiotic, dumb. This bill is all of those things. Yeah, Uh, These people in the Tennessee state legislature have absolutely no idea what they are talking about. And they are preaching it like it is gospel. Mm-hmm. And you have some very small-minded people believing it and not critically thinking about what is in this bill.
1: Mm-hmm. They're not They're not even taking a look at it. No, they're not. They're just believing but, what people are saying and voting.
2: Yes, but when you look at the language of the bill, it's so... Incredibly vague. Yes, it is. it's cryptic. Yes, that you know. Who's to say if I am the one of the primary caregivers for my granddaughter, and there are times where I have to take her on the way to a show somewhere mm-hmm. and drop her off? What would happen if I was dressed in drag and? somebody caught me in public with my granddaughter mm-hmm. as I'm taking her you know to another place how what's what's the deal there I mean nobody can answer that
1: no one can answer it and it's it stems so much farther beyond drag it what yes. does this mean for the cosplay world what does this mean for Halloween theater for theater for any of those things
2: I think that what's going to have to happen is... The big entertainers that come to Tennessee are going to have to stop coming to Tennessee. Yeah. And you're going to have to hurt their pocketbooks here. And when they don't have the tax revenue coming in because of of this bill, they're more likely to change their tune. But you have to hit them there.
0: Money talks. And the it the, does. the thing is, is like they're not thinking about you know performers that come here to you know perform at the Tennessee Theater or at the Bijou and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're only thinking about the the queer community. Like that's what they're trying to shut down is that stuff. But they're not thinking about the other performers that they're going to be taking away this from.
2: And and to demonize good people is just insanity to me. Mm-hmm.
1: People are terrified of the things that they don't know about. And so many people just don't know about drag and that is being weaponized.
2: Well, you know what? The internet is free. You can always look up the history with drag, but drag has been going on for centuries Yeah. here. My plans for when you say this bill passes is I will dress opposite gender every day.
1: Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you're very passionate about both drag and burlesque. Let us let us and the audience know just what these arts mean to you.
2: I'm very passionate about art in general and all mm-hmm. aspects of it. But for what burlesque and drag give to me is, one, I've always been a just a performer mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, my mom used to say that she would go in my room and she would hear a million little voices. <laughs> and they were all me. And, but I never really had the opportunity to pursue a career in that, nor did I feel like I had the support to do it until I found Burlesque and I call it my midlife crisis, but it just gave me the confidence to be who I am now. I've been doing it for seven years. I just recently got into drag, King drag for the past three years and that's on a whole nother level for me because I get to be someone else and I love to entertain. I want to make you laugh, is my thing. If I make you laugh, then I think that I've I've accomplished something. And yeah, you do a lot. You make me <laughs> laugh all the a time. Lot. <laughs> it's just a sense of freedom. Until you do it, you just don't know that feeling. When you're in front of an audience. And you're receiving everybody's energy, mm. and they, the audience, really wants the best for you, and they want your energy. They want what you're giving out, and I just think positivity is everything. And if we can just exchange energies back and forth, mm-hmm. how much of world, a better place would this be?
0: But I, I feel like th- that's like <laughs> a lot. That that's. <laughs> a lot for everybody that you know yeah. performs and drag or burlesque you know something like that like that's their same like motive when it comes to this yeah
2: and i find in burlesque that we build each other up all the time not even not only on stage mm-hmm. but everywhere else you know we, we have our groups where we come in and we vent our problems and everything. And everybody else is lifting each other up. And it's our family. It's our community. Mm-hmm.
1: Except for me. I literally <laughs> only perform because I really like attention.
2: Oh, that that too. <laughs> I just didn't want to admit it. <laughs> but, yes.
0: All right, Jennifer. Do you care to share some information about Braddy's Bites?
2: Oh, Braddy's Bites. I love it. I love baking. Ever since 4-H. So many years ago, where I w- won my first award for baking bread, and I love to make cakes, mm-hmm. but not the flamboyant, you know, fondant, uh, those things where you don't know if it's cake or not. Uh, to me, that's crazy.
0: Th- those questionable aesthetics on cakes. <laughs> where,
2: like they're cutting into, you know,
0: a ketchup bottle
1: yes. and it's cake. <laughs> yeah. I was going
2: to say something else. Um, yeah, but I like to make traditional cakes that you would find, like, maybe in a um, in a patisserie mm-hmm. or just at gondolier. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <or laughs> That's a good just reference. Just bake, you know, just, or littons. Braddy's vice is just a love of mine that I just love to bake. I love to bake for friends, and I love to make birthday cakes. If I know that it's your birthday, you're more than likely going to get a cake. And you I know? will
0: say, that birthday cake you made for me last year, she made me a spice cake. I'm like a 90-year-old grandmother, and I, I love the older things in life. And that was probably the best spice cake I have ever had in my life. I can't tell you how many slices of that I had. I went
1: birthday. I attended the very first Braddy's Cathartic Karaoke, which we'll get to in a second. And you served a lavender lemon cake? Yes. I'll put a picture of it on our Instagram so you can see how gorgeous it was. I literally think about that cake no less than three times a week. It was incredible. It was so good.
2: Thank you. And what what's the best way to like try things out than to bake and give it to your friends? Right. Right.
0: I mean, you made that cake for Jocelyn's wedding, and did. you you talk about like not doing these extravagant cakes, but that was beautiful. Thank that you. That was a beautiful cake
2: and in my eyes though it was it was basic yes and i think that's the most lovely is when you use like a uh, natural ingredients mm-hmm. and real flowers and everything and you have just the simplicity of the cake and then you let the flowers be the the showpiece yeah. part of it because for me it's about taste does it taste good yeah it don't necessarily have to look that great <laughs> because you can always Cover it with a flower, <laughs> uh, but does it taste good? And and you know, attention. I do love getting compliments. <laughs> for that.
1: Well, now I want cake. <laughs> now I mentioned just a second ago, Braddy's cathartic karaoke, which you do the first Saturday of every month at the Pride Center. Yes.
2: Tell us where that came from. Braddy's cathartic karaoke. Well, before the pandemic. I would take a Sunday and I would invite my friends over and I would make a cake and we would have cake and mimosas and we would just sing our little hearts out. I would shove 15 people in my tiny little (laughs) living room and we would just use YouTube and we had a very basic probably kids homemade karaoke machine. And we would just sing, and it was some of the best times ever. And then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And I tried to go virtual with it, but that did not work. So it went on hiatus for a little bit until Knox Pride opened. And graciously, they allow me to do (laughs) Braddy's Cathartic Karaoke here. And it is some of the best times I've ever had. And there's only one rule, and that is to make me feel something. Because I feel like singing... You can get so much out with that. I think isn't that what karaoke yeah, yeah. is? Is just pouring your heart out and your soul into people and letting people receive that energy. Right. And,
1: and people yeah. people leave it all on the floor when they come. I have <laughs> tried several times at Cathartic <laughs> karaoke. Uh most recently I think Jordan and some other people and I sang
0: landslide. Really, everybody in the whole room sang Mm. landslide and had a good cry. I mean, when a certain song comes on, like it's not just one person singing that. Like it, Mm. it can fill the whole room up. Yes. Um, And like to your point, like yeah, you can let all your emotions out. It doesn't have to be just sadness. It can be joy or anger. Like just let it all out. You can finally like just take a load off of your shoulders and.
2: And I, I feel that's just so much easier than maybe getting your anger out in other ways that are not healthy. Yeah, for you exactly. This is a healthy way to release your anger.
0: And I feel like everybody likes to sing. You, you know, most people do it maybe in the in the comfort of their own car or like at their own home. But you know, when you're here, like it's kind of like an Olive Garden moment. When you're here, your family, <laughs> like you know, like it's it's so good.
1: Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a great way to to. Start new relationships and strengthen relationships
0: that you already have as well. Absolutely, because I've met so many really cool and interesting people, you know, coming to karaoke. I remember there was one person here, and they they just gave it their all, and it was, it was perfect. Like, obviously,
2: we're not... And it's a free event. Right. And it's a sober space.
1: It's also... A safe space for people who want to be home and in bed by
0: 10
2: o'clock. Yes.
0: <laughs> and that it's will, not a club. That yes. will always be my favorite thing is that I can be in the comfort of my home in bed by 10 p.m. I am set for that night. Perfect. And you've also expanded
1: Beyond Knox Pride, correct? So you're doing cathartic karaoke the fourth Thursday of every month at the Butchery, at correct? At the yes. And you're about to start doing it at South Press as well? yes.
2: It's going to be a chain across the U.S. I There's going to be Braddy's that. cathartic karaoke everywhere, which I highly encourage. Take it.
0: I think that is a wonderful <laughs> idea. Like I would love to. I see... would love to
2: see a chapter somewhere else of somebody doing Braddy's cathartic karaoke.
1: I love it. That's a great goal. Yes, I'm going to put that in the universe for you. <laughs> Thank you. And also
0: sign me up for walking in Memphis, please. <laughs> <laughs> The Knox Prime Market is coming back on March the 5th, and I'm super excited because you are also going to be there. Can you share some information about what you'll be doing?
2: Yes. My daughter and I have a booth called Vintage Vice where we sell vintage clothing and accessories. Uh, we both have a love for thrifting, and that's our little bonding that we have going on there. So, yeah, we're super excited. Uh, we sell things very cheap. <laughs> Just putting that out there.
0: But I feel like it's, yes, it's a little bit more like economically friendly, but you have great stuff every time we have a market.
2: It's so perfect. much
1: stuff. You bring so much <laughs> stuff. It's impressive.
2: We, I just find little gems everywhere.
0: I feel like it's safe to call you like the queen of thrifting because I was like going through like your Facebook page and stuff today and. I was going through and I was like, you have so much on there about thr- like thrifting and like vintage finds and stuff like that. And I was like, she is the queen of, of thrifting. I'm like, that, that's who Jennifer is. You and Meg McMuffin, you both are popping up all the time with the
1: finds that you that you get thrifting and estate selling and things like that. And I just absolutely love that content more, please.
2: Well, one, it's, you know, fast, fast fashion is not great for the environment. It's terrible. (laughs) And you have so many people that have created handmade pieces who have put their time and their money and um, just their love into it. Why not get a piece of that clothing, wear it for a little bit, feel that love in it, and then move it on to someone else so that they can enjoy it as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I feel like that's like a a good thing with, when it comes to like vintage clothing is it's, I don't know, I guess with fashion, it kind of comes and goes every once in like a couple of years where things will come back into style and then go back out of style. But I feel like a lot of the vintage clothing now is like better than what you can buy, like a
2: big name brand store. The older I get, the The less that I care about style and fashion and what is supposedly supposed to go together Mm -hmm. and just wear what you
1: want. I think that's what fashion in general is right now is just people wearing what they're comfortable in and what Mm -hmm. brings them happiness. And I absolutely love that. So earlier we kind of touched on Gab and Girl Time, the podcast that you have um, with your co-host Gail. Why don't you let our listeners know just a little bit about uh, the podcast and where they can listen.
2: Gab and Girl Time, we are in our third season, wow. uh, third year of Gab and Girl Time. I hope we get to
0: a third year. <laughs> Fingers crossed that we do.
2: Uh, with my co-host, a local comedian, Gail Grantham. And it is a podcast for women of a certain age in alternative lifestyles. Um, we also talk about many, many other things, but that's pretty much the center of it there. And you can find us under Gavin Girl Time on all platforms, wherever you listen to your podcast.
1: You and Gail have a really great back and forth. I really enjoy it. I very much enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you. Um,
2: when we decided to do this, because Gail is also a hairdresser. And she's done my hair for the past seven years. And we would sit in the chair and we would just sit and gab. And uh, when podcasts started, you know, becoming popular, we'd Mm -hmm. go, oh, we should do one. And so we took that kind of idea where we're just sitting in a chair talking and just gabbing about current events or people in our lives or just whatever we want to talk about. Hairdressers
1: are... Like therapists, right? They are. I've always said that it would be great if somebody opened a place where you could get your hair cut by someone who is both licensed <laughs> in cutting hair and therapy and just do it all at once.
2: <laughs> I'll have Gail get her degree so that she can start doing that.
1: Well, okay. make sure you check out Gabbing Girl Time. Uh, and you said it's available on all platforms? On all
2: platforms. Awesome. And I would say a lot of people in this room have been on our show and yes, have been our guests. That is true. <laughs> So, yes, please go back and listen to past episodes of all of our friends. Jennifer,
1: you've got an upcoming class at the Knox Pride Center on Sunday, April 16th from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. called How to Drag King that you're co-hosting with Dixon Normus.
2: My king name is Colin Boutet. Colin and Dixon are going to be teaching classes on mannerisms and stage presence, the history of drag kingery, and makeup.
0: Jennifer, we want to thank you for being here today. It's been an honor having you on the podcast. Yes, thank you.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, James, what's wrong?
1: Everything, Matt. The government won't stay out of my business. I'm of a certain age and I don't have any health insurance. The economy is constantly stressing me out. And I'm still mad that NBC canceled Smash. I wish there was somewhere that I could just dump all these emotions and get cathartic.
2: Did somebody say cathartic? I know of a place where you can dump all those emotions. Please join us every first Saturday of the month for Brady's Cathartic Karaoke at Knox Pride, where there's only one rule to feel something.
1: I just love Jennifer. That was delightful.
0: I I really do love her. I met her a few years ago through my friend Brittany. And ever since then, I've been just totally obsessed with, with Jennifer.
1: If you get the chance, you should go on her podcast. It's a lot of fun.
0: She and Gail are... Top-notch podcasters. I know. There's so many now I have to listen to between Jennifer and then our next guest. So I'm just really looking forward to like really listening to everybody.
1: I didn't know until we started a podcast that so many people that we knew had podcasts.
0: I know. It's like...
1: It's like we copied them, but we didn't.
0: Well, maybe we we started this first and they're just like future copying us, you know? Oh, yeah. They went back in time (laughs) and created. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Like Terminator, but they just wanted to make sure to get a leg up on the podcasting. Like
0: Terminator, but gay and with microphones. (laughs) Like Terminator,
1: but gay. Oh, Matt, will you tell everybody who our next guest is?
0: I'm excited to introduce our next guest because he is actually a part of Knox Proud as well. His name is Nathan Higdon, and we are really excited to get to know him.
1: Please enjoy. Nathan Higdon, CFO of Knox Pride. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you here. Nathan, you've been with Knox Pride for over seven years. Can you tell our listeners what your roles have been and uh, all the things that you've done while you were here? Maybe not all the things. We do have a time limit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so I was asked to be a part of Knox Pride I guess it was seven years ago. Wow, time flies. Um, To come on and to spin up something they were looking to do, which was a community outreach uh, position. And I was finishing up my PhD at the time. And so I came on to do that, to help to build bridges into other communities just outside of the LGBTQIA community. And apparently I just forgot to leave (laughs) (laughs)
1: It stuck you just stuck around huh yeah that seems to happen here
0: (laughs) and so with you being with pride for you know the last seven or eight years um what are some of the most like significant changes that you've seen since being with
3: pride well you know that's a big one when i first came or was asked to come on you know we had kind of an unwielding board there were 15 people on the board of directors. Uh, Most of the community was pissed at us. And so some of the things that I've seen and uh, helped to make actionable were making uh, Knox Pride, as the corporation that it is, be more transparent in the community. Mm -hmm. I thought that was important so that people could buy in to the mission of Pride and... So, you know, pu- pushed for all that, and then we've seen, you know, the dynamic of the board change, and we've gone from just uh, once a once-a-year party to, with the festival and parade, of course, and then, you know, now we've gone to, we're practically 24-7, 365, it feels like, but, you know, now we've got a physical, we've got a brick-and-mortar location, so... There's just been so much change and when we opened that Pandora's box to help the community, I think we all realized just how much just how much need there was in the community. So it's almost overwhelming sometimes but it, it, it is actually when I was just saying that I was thinking about it and I was like wow, yeah,' you've come a long way baby
0: this yeah it's it's now beyond a just a festival you know which now is three days long. But now we're, you know, we have the food pantry, the, the clothing closet, you know, there's so many resources that we have open doors for, for the local youth in our community. And I, I think that's fantastic.
3: You know, Matt, when when I came on here seven years ago, I would have never imagined that we'd be doing the kind of substantive, long-term, important work that we're doing now. Yeah. And I'm glad we are, I would have never envisioned it. So Nathan
1: Knox pride is actually not the only nonprofit that you're involved in, right?
3: It is not the only one. Apparently I have way more time than I think. I do. <laughs> uh, what else, uh, what else do you have your hands in? Let's see. Um, I volunteer with this organization called Civitans. They help kids with developmental and intellectual disabilities. I've, uh, volunteer with them for about a decade. I, I was, um, within their structure, I was head of the Appalachian region for a long time. You know, that's important, uh, really important to me. Um, other nonprofits that I work with, let's see, most of the others are uh, politically based, so like Indivisible, Tennessee, um, co-organizer for that. And uh, we do work across the state with trying to get uh, people registered to vote, get them to turn out, um, educate them on candidates, and there's just there are a bunch of things I could bore you all to death about them. Uh, go check out my LinkedIn. I think I've updated it, but I can't remember.
0: <laughs> and Nathan, you are also the state executive committee man for the second centorial district and you are the chairman for blunt county uh, for the democratic party what made you want to get involved with politics
3: this will be a longer answer so i've always been a community activist Mm -hmm. uh, in blunt county where i live and i ran for city council back in 2012 because i kept seeing uh, homeless individuals in the park and I was like, you know, there's a problem with this, and we can and should do better. And I believe that nonprofits can always do well, but sometimes I think there are things that require government intervention, and this mm-hmm. is one of them. And so that got me paying attention, and so, anyway, I ran for office then. I lost, thankfully, actually, now that I look back, and kind of stepped away from the political side of my activism and you know 2016 happened and i realized that there was more that i needed to do and i have a, some skill sets that are fairly in tune to politics and so i stepped back up and that's where i became involved with indivisible and then uh, ran for county party uh, i think second vice chair was elected and you know, we kind of rebuilt uh, the Blank County Party and increased, we were the second highest voter turnout increase in the state. Oh, wow. Yeah, out of the 95 counties, busted our butt for it. And, you know, I kept going along, and it's kind of like anything I'm a part of, you know, I'm always looking for the good stuff, but I would see there's some breakdowns, and I was like, well, you know, if I run for state executive committee man, which is essentially the board of directors for the Tennessee Democratic Party, so, you know, I could probably make some of the structural changes that I see issues with, with like small rural counties being able mm-hmm. to get more involved. So I ran and was elected. Um, I was unopposed. So it made running a little easier. And so I've been doing that since August. And I just actually got appointed. I am chair of the Youth Engagement Committee uh, for the party across the state. So we've got some really big plans on connecting uh, uh, 18 to 36 year olds to the party uh, via the uh, college Democrat organization and then the young Democrat group. And you know historically they hadn't been well connected with the greater party and so we kind of want to tie them together so that people have a way to stay engaged with the party from high school all the way through yeah. adulthood. So,
0: I mean, do you think running unopposed was was easier or did you think that you had like more of like a magnifying glass on you since you're you are the only you know, person running for that position?
3: Well, in Blunt County, I tend to have a magnifying glass on me because the alt-right and uh, the crazy crazies, uh, you know. They keep their eye on everything I do on social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're always dragging me, on, you know, sometimes way worse than others. Uh, we could talk to my attorney about that. <laughs> and, um, but generally, I just kind of ignore it. But I knew that I was under a magnifying glass. And despite the fact that I wasn't opposed, I still ran the race as though I were opposed. Right. And kind of used. You know, use the power of my campaign to help uplift smaller campaigns. So there were people running for like school board or uh, some of the county commission seats in really rural areas. So I would focus the work and my campaign into particular areas so that we could kind of lift them up. Along, yeah, didn't work. None of them got elected. <laughs> but uh, but now I, I I just I ran for it like um, I was you know ten percent behind the whole time. And the state Senate district, to be clear, is Blunt County, Monroe County, Polk County, and Bradley County. If you're listening and you're like, what? It, it's from almost downtown Knoxville all the way to the Georgia border. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's one of the longer districts. I just had to go down for a meeting in Polk County, and it took me almost two hours to drive down there. Wow. The other night. Yeah. It used to not be like this, but thanks, gerrymandering. <laughs> Nathan, I am an
1: elder millennial who unfortunately didn't really get uh, involved or interested in politics until recently, very recently. Um, I think a big part of that was uh, me joining the team here at Knox Pride uh, and sort of becoming more of an activist than I'd ever been before. And a large part of it is the fact that our community is being threatened right now with all of these slate of hate and and the don't say gay bills and the drag bills, all of these things aimed at our community, I think the number one thing that we need most is for people to get out and vote, for everybody to get out and vote. If you're a queer person, you need to get out and vote. If you love a queer person, you need to get out and vote. If you just care about humanity and everyone having equal rights, you need to get out and vote. Nathan, what advice would you give to somebody like me who is just starting to really get interested in wanting to
3: participate in politics. So a couple of things. First, you mentioned something, and people will so often make the excuse for arriving, I'm air-quoting here, late. It's okay. You arrive into this journey of politics when it's right for you. So welcome, and you're here now. Well, thank you. And so... And anyone like you out there who's just engaging, again, welcome to all of you all. And um, what I would suggest to any of you who are just now getting started with your activism is engage with people who've been doing it for a while so that you don't duplicate efforts or uh, just make mistakes along the way. And by mistakes, I mean... um, dumping all of your energy in at the beginning and burning yourself out. That's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things to not do in this work. Is, right. And now when I say this, it will sound crazy, and I can explain it if I need to, but you can't always take the work personally that you're doing despite the fact that it directly impacts you, if that makes any sense. I think that makes total sense you kind of have to compartmentalize it a little bit so that it doesn't destroy you because that is the point of these ugly bills, you know? Like the slate of hate, the point of it is cruelty. And so what you have to do is, remember you're fighting for more than just yourself, it's other people, and you're of no use to anyone if you're exhausted and you stop. And so that's something that, I would say to begin with, and then the next part of that is self-care in all of your life, but especially in your activism, is actually that might be the most important thing, the self-care to keep you from burning out. Um, you don't know, always use the um, analogy that it's probably all of our life, but especially in activism work. Think of it like a choir, and when you have to take a breath Everyone else is still singing, and it's okay for you to take a breath and to rest. Other people will continue to do the singing, and then when you've taken your breath and you can join back in, then you do so. But the song never stops. And that's kind of how activism is. is, uh, Once you get going, just take care of yourself. But some other uh, real tips for folks on this is it's really hard to learn to speak up but it's even harder to learn when to step back and be quiet and and especially if you know if you're say a, a cisgender white male you know society kind of tells us that we should speak up all the time and we should use our privilege but being aware of when you don't have to do that. When you've maybe helped to build the platform Mm -hmm. for other people who didn't have the rights you're helping them to get, you will know, or people will probably tell you, uh, when it's time for you to step back a little bit. So, you know, it's a lot of stuff um, because you're like, all right, how do I know where to track a bill? How do I know who my elected person is? How do I know what's important? How do I know how this is? Is going to how it does impact me, how it will impact me, how will it be enforced? It's all these things. Don't beat yourself up if you don't know all the stuff in the beginning. Just find people who do know and learn as you go.
1: That's really great advice. I actually that was very helpful for me, Nathan. Thank
0: you. Yeah, oh I think gosh. that that analogy you had about the choir that that was beautiful. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was like the best way to explain that when it comes to newer people getting involved with that. So I thought that was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it resonated with
3: me because people will feel, you know, they'll, they'll feel guilty about needing to step back and yeah, no, it's okay. It's just part of it. And Nathan, going back on that, on the
0: slate of hate, you were one of the co-organizers and the main speaker at the enough is enough rally that we had here in Knoxville back in um, 13th of February. Can you kind of explain to the listeners that, either wasn't there or not too familiar uh, with the Senate bill one, what this kind of means for the transgender community in Tennessee.
3: Yeah. So, you know, one of the issues with our legislators in Nashville in the state Senate and state house is that far too many of these people, I don't actually think know a queer person like at all. They don't have anyone Mm -hmm. in their life. That's so right. Yeah. And Because I don't see how they could bring this forward and know someone. But to answer your question, so some of the things that, some of the problems with this bill that was, again, already passed in the Senate is that, um, you know, it's a ban on gender affirming care. And one of the issues and the way they try to spin it, uh, the senators and the uh, representatives, is they would like their base of voters to think that we have these, like, drive-through surgery clinics where you can just wake up one morning and be like, you know what, I just want to change everything about myself. What they don't get, and when I said through that Senate hearing was that, ugh, was that they have people who apparently have a medical license, who are sharing dis and misinformation. Some of these very things like that there are these rampant surgeries going on. Well, the problem with the bill is that I think most of our dear listeners understand the continuum of care for a trans person a little bit better. But um, but if you don't, that is not what happened. The thing I just mentioned. What really happens is years of therapy and hormone, puberty blockers and hormones and lots of, uh, engaging mental health professionals to ensure that you are making the choice that you want for yourself. And so that there are none of these checks in place that, uh, the, the legislators keep pretending there are so that you are fully cared for for the years leading up to. And if you ever did decide to have a surgery and you may not, but, um, you know, this is a years long issue. And what this bill does or will do is to make puberty blockers and hormones unavailable for people who are trying to. Express their gender and uh, properly, and but what's so terrible is that it will also impact the uh, medical professionals as well. They could lose their license. They could end up with a felony as well for practicing for doing gender affirming care. So you that's why when they say it, you know, this is a, an, a a direct attack on our community. And what's this going to do? Well, you know, we see it from the work we do here in the Pride Center, and and from the people we know, the care will still be available for folks who can go out of state and who have the means. But the problem, the problem will be, are folks who don't have insurance or don't have the money right to support or to get uh, supportive gender affirming care. So then we're going to leave people and such a lurch and, you know, by people getting gender-affirming care, we can reduce uh, suicidal ideation by, I think it's like 50%. Yeah, they keep they keep saying that this is
1: about the children, but what they really mean is they would rather have dead children than queer children, is what I hear.
3: Well, you know, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but it's similarly to the way they'll talk about... Uh, Women's reproductive justice as well, and you know that it's about about the kids, but you know it's it is never about the kids.
1: Okay, hot topic. A few weeks ago, Knox Pride in a press release said that if Bill Three is passed, which sadly enough, we are pretty certain that it's going to pass at this point they don't think that they'll be able to have a pride festival. Can you touch on that a little bit, please?
3: Yeah. So Senate bill three yet again, uh, I don't think these people have ever been to a drag show. Um, Absolutely not. No. Well, I mean, they might've, but they're never going to admit it. Right. (laughs) Um, so the problem with this bill, which, and to be clear about SB one and SB three, the, uh, gender-affirming care, and this drag bill, they will pass. The governor will sign them, and he'll probably, unfortunately, be very happy to do so. So, like, this is a coming. So, the problem of this drag bill is generally bills in the state of Tennessee go into effect July the 1st. However, this particular one will become active April the 1st. So, if that they put that in the amendment means that they were fast tracking this. So yeah. it's going to happen. They quickly. wanted to
0: hit it before June. Yeah. They were purposely fast tracking
3: this bill. Yeah. There are no accidents with them. I mean, they're not smart, but uh <laughs> they know how to be cruel. So what this will do and what let me be really clear what scares me the most about this bill is, you know, we've all seen the um the folks who got up in arms when Knox Pride uh, announced that we couldn't continue with the festival in the way that we have historically done it. You know, and people were like, I'm going to come and drag, I'm going to do all this. Listen, folks, this bill can ruin a person's life, and this is the part that scares me, is the people who might want to uh, be martyrs for the cause, as it were, You get hit with your first offense, and remember what I mentioned earlier about enforcement and all these things? We can see a bill, and then when it becomes a law, we can see it, but we don't know what will actually happen until it is enforced by district attorneys. Right. Well, let's be very clear. We may think that it's great around here, but I see no reason that that DAs in this area aren't going to be happy to move forward with prosecuting stuff. And so then what we run up against are people who want to take a stand, but then get hammered with a misdemeanor. All right. That seems, you know, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to do that. Well, what that could mean is up to 1129 in jail and or $2,500 fine. Please tell me who's got the money for this, who is wanting to take a stand now, let alone people who drag us performance art for them. This is, this is their way of making money from their craft. So are they going to go and get hammered with a potential of 1129 and a $2,500 fine? No, probably not. Or they might the first time, but let's say they do. And you know if it's someone who is trying to take a stand they're probably not going to do it again after they get the fine and go to jail and or go to jail but if it's someone who this is their livelihood or part of their livelihood they're probably going to be more prone to do it again because you know this is how they make money and it's right. also how they express themselves artistically too right so here's what we run up into so you got you did a little jail time and you got a little fine you got out And you're like, I'm doing it again. You get arrested again, and this has all probably happened in less than a year. Then you're going to get hammered with a repeat offender because it's happened so quickly. And then your second offense is a felony, ladies and gentlemen. What does a felony do?
1: It takes away your right to vote.
3: That's it. And so when you get your felony on this one, it's up to six years in prison, not jail, prison. And no and or. So it's six years, up to six years in prison and a $3,000 fine. How many drag queens do we know that have $5,500 laying around and seven years or just under eight years available to give up to go take a stand on this? So, you know, this is a big issue for folks. And, you know, our best hope is that we could end up with. Because there will be lawsuits, you know, that'll happen, ACLU, some things like that. And, you know, our best case is we could get an injunction on this so that it would uh, it would keep any action from being, uh, so any other people from being arrested, essentially. But, you know, those are the real-world consequences of this bill. And to attack drag, which is simply art, simply art that people don't agree with,
1: Right. And and from Knox Pride's perspective now, um, what they have done is they have made us make a decision. We can continue to have pride outside and eliminate all drag, which is not something we're willing to do. Drag queens and trans folks started the revolution. We can't have a celebration without them. Exactly. And the other option is for us to find a space indoors, private big enough to hold the event and not let anybody in that's not 18 and our queer youth is too important to us to shut them out of the celebration. This is for a lot of them, the only time of year where they get to go be themselves and they get to be with other people who are like-minded and we're not going to snatch that away from them either. So we have some really tough decisions to make.
3: You know, We do, James, and the big thing about this is for far too long, we have left members of the LGBTQIA plus behind. You know, someone would get just a smidge more rights and they would happily run ahead. But for so long, our community has left folks behind. You know, the most murdered demographic is uh, uh, black trans women. And although the numbers are low percentage wise, it's quite high. And so the problem is we've left people behind for so long and I'm behind our stand to not do a festival or whatever it ends up being called. Um, well I'm against doing a fest. Let me, let me rephrase that. I'm against doing a festival, um, as we had previously done them if we just have to cut drag because there's nothing to celebrate if we're not cel- uh, if we're not including the entire community because we know better now what we knew better then to right and so i you know personally i'm adamant that the format has to change and if it means to continue to engage people politically so that they'll pay attention then so be it you know and there'll be some unhappy There'll be some unhappy ducks out there, but that's okay. Like, if we're not including everyone, then, you know, I, it's not something I would want to be a part of. If we were going to continue it as it were, I would not continue to be a part of Knox Pride because I know better now. I agree. Uh,
0: yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, what, what's the point of a celebration when we're not really celebrating anything anymore?
3: None of us are free till all of us are free.
0: Exactly. And Nathan, you just started the second season of your podcast, and it's called Amy and Nathan Do a Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So we are in the. We never planned to have a second season. It was supposed to be limited series, and then I, you know, we woke up and remembered that the General, Tennessee General Assembly hates everyone in the state of Tennessee, and that we just had to cave in. We're like, oh man, we got to do it again. Got to keep on going. Yeah. I'm like, we're never going to not do this. There's always something. So yeah, you know, it is very politically based and it all started with wanting to share like some of the, some of the questions James was asking earlier. It's kind of how it started as, you know, folks were like, and we kind of I would always say the activism I do is I'm like an on-ramp for people. I just kind of like just make it easier for you to merge on and get your speed and then join into the flow. And that's kind of what we did with this is made it simple. It's very East Tennessee-centric, but, you know, the bones of it could apply to anywhere. And we just kind of woke folks like, you know, here's how you go to the election commission website and navigate it and find information you might want to know. Here's how you go to the Tennessee General Assembly side. Uh, you know, and my passion is state-level politics. Like, that's where, in my opinion, 80% of the things that people will complain about, that's that's where that's homed. And so, I'll walk people through that. It's like, you know, in the podcast, we'll be like, we well, you know, what are your issues? Okay, let's get out our notepad and let's write down our issues. Now let's figure out who's responsible for making that better or worse. And i promise you eight out of 10 times you're going to find that it's the people in Nashville who do it. You know, everyone's got an opinion about the U.S. Senate or, uh, con- you know, the Congress in general or the president, but the people who impact your daily life tend to be people you can run into at the grocery store and have no idea who they are. Yeah. Same for your county commissioner, city council, you know, folks don't know who they are. And like when you're, And all of this is stuff that I talk about in the podcast, too. And even though I'm going a little off of your question, but it's like, you know, where folks don't realize who people are, they don't know how to hold them accountable. And so those are some of the issues that we talk on. It's how to hold people accountable, where uh, who's responsible for the things that bother you the most, and how to do a little something about it. Uh, You know, it's not all for naught, like, Oh, my God. You know, the keyboard warriors drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, I've yelled about them forever. And um, it's a great place to start, but you've got to be able to, like, move on. Like, if if, if you're on there uh, trash-talking politicians, take your next step and pick up your phone and make a phone call. Or, or even if you need something even easier, send an email. You know, then make that phone call. And so this is – we kind of walk people through all that stuff. So, yeah, we're – we're in season two um, and I gave you way more information than I, you probably wanted. But if you go back and listen to it, you'll hear me saying all those same things. Cause that's the thing you'll learn about activists is you really hone what you talk about. Cause you say the same stuff over and over and over, <laughs> but that's okay because you have to always assume that you're getting somebody new involved. And, uh, was a very hard lesson for me to learn. I would get really uh, aggravated with folks who were wanting to become engaged in the beginning. And I was like, no. People were gentle with you when you were learning, too. So, you know. One step at a time. Down. Yeah, one step at a time.
1: Where can our listeners find Amy and Nathan do a podcast?
3: You can find us on... Um, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts.
1: Excellent. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun, very educational. You and I don't really get to spend a lot of time at Knox Pride together, and it was really fun to just be able to sit and chat with you for sure.
3: Oh, thank you all so much for having me. I I love to get to on-ramp people into activism. (laughs)
1: Hey y'all, I'm Chrissy Batts with Mama Bear Sweet Treats. And I'm Dustin Kemp with Knox Pride. Join us at the Curious Table for dinner and conversation. Each episode, we invite dinner guests from the community to help us discuss
2: and learn about topics that pique our curiosity.
1: We believe there is something magical that happens when you share a meal with others around the dinner table.
2: Find us on all social
1: media at the Curious Table Podcast. Who would you like to see at our table? Send your suggestions to the curious table podcast at gmail.com. The Curious Table will be sure to save you a seat.
0: I think Nathan is absolutely amazing.
1: He is very intelligent and he is very good at explaining things to people and I I have been struggling lately because it feels like we've been talking about these things a lot on our podcasts and on other people's podcasts that we've been guesting on. And I didn't want I didn't want the audience to be bored by what we were saying. But this is important stuff that right. needs to be talked about. Um, and I think that Nathan did a great job explaining things right
0: i think nathan does put it in a little bit more simple way for you know for especially for me and you and then like you know other users yeah that i think it's it's a little bit easier to understand
1: yeah Uh, Uh, like i've stated uh and in past episodes that i only recently got involved in politics and activism and He's, he's a great friend to have, for sure.
0: Yeah, I love having him around. He's super knowledgeable, and uh, he's just a really good person.
1: He's also handsome, and he's got the cutest dog in the world.
0: <laughs> hey, James, what's on that calendar? Pew, 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 calendar.
1: <laughs> um, let's see. On the 2nd of March, we've
0: got another life skills class. This one is basic car maintenance, and it starts at 7 p.m. And on March the 4th, we have our Saturday morning yoga at 9 a.m. We have the Community Grief Support Tea Party at 2 p.m. And then we have Braddy's Cathartic Karaoke at 7 p.m. On March 5th, Knox Pride
1: Market makes its triumphant return at 12 p.m. There's going to be over 35 vendors. You should come support queer small businesses.
0: On March the 6th, we have Knox Pride Presents Craft Night at 7 p.m. On the 7th of March, we've got Knox Pride Presents TTRPG One Shot with Story at 5 p.m. And on March the 8th, we have the YWCA Domestic Violence Support Group at 2 p.m. And then later that night, we have Karaoke starting at 7 p.m. and then Open Stage Night at 8 p.m. all at South Press. Knox Pride Teak is having a prom sale at 4 p.m. on March 9th. On March the 11th, we have Knox Pride Volunteer Day starting at 10 a.m. And then we have our Trans Non-Binary Support Group at 1 p.m. On the 12th of March, we've got an Affirmation Day at 12 p.m. On March the 13th, we have Knoxville Polyamory Group Meetup at 6.30. The 15th of March, we've got the YWCA Domestic Violence Support Group at 2 p.m., and Karaoke and Open Stage Night at 7 p.m. at South Press. On March the 16th, we have the Social Dance for Everybody at 6.30. And on the 17th of March, we've got Knox Pride Presents Community
1: Resource Fair at 11 a.m. and Knox Pride Bingo Trivia Night at 7 p.m. at South Press. As always, for more information on these events and others, visit knoxpride.com. Well, I really hope that everybody was educated and informed
0: and at least a little bit entertained by what we presented this week. Yeah, I really hope everybody enjoyed uh, listening to James and I talk with Jennifer and Nathan. Uh, We really enjoyed them. They're very good close friends of ours, and we're just really excited for you guys to get to know them like we know them.
1: And the more we do the podcast, the more comfortable we're both getting with each other, and I'm just having an amazing time. As always, if you guys have any suggestions for any content that you want to hear, let us know. Also, uh, once again, we did unlock the listener support. So if you guys want to throw a little bit of money our way, everything that you send to us goes right back into the podcast. Uh, Make sure that you like, rate, and review wherever you're listening, especially if you're listening on Apple. Matt. I love doing this with you.
0: I know. I can't imagine doing this with anybody else, especially you and JD, like having my two best friends, enjoying some, some technology with each other and making, you know, making some magic together. Like, I absolutely love it.
1: Well, now that we've grossed everyone out, we should let them go.
0: All right. And until next time, we see you, we hear you, and and we we love love you. you. Knox Pride Podcast is produced by JD Davis, Matt Navarro Camp, and James Owens with recording and engineering by JD Davis.
1: Knox Pride Podcast is a community driven effort, and we need your help. Please email us at podcast at
0: knoxpride.com with any questions, ideas for guests, or suggestions on content. And don't forget to follow us at Knox Pride Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Knox Pride Podcast is brought to you by Knox Pride Network with
1: funding from the United Way. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.